Hey everyone, my name is Monty and I'm a pastor here at Meadows Church. And I just wanna thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're watching from, wherever you're listening from, you are welcome. And we're just believing that God is going to do something supernatural in this message. So again, thank you and God bless you. Tell somebody I did not see I didn't see 2020 coming, not the way it came. I tell you, there's something, we all, we all have off days, but off years? I mean, seriously? I uh, heard a series called Blindsided, Overcoming What You Didn't See Coming. Like I just said, I think we, we're all used to having those days, like where you wish you wouldn't have got out of bed. I had one of, well, I've had more than one, but I remember one in particular that, this was years ago, but Woke up on a Saturday. I don't know what was going on with our family. We were, you know, we all woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, maybe you can't relate to that. But at the Gannon household, it wasn't good. It might have been the fact that it was cleaning day. And, and, and cleaning day will take me backwards in my walk with Jesus every time. So we're supposed to be cleaning and doing all this stuff. And it was just tense and horrible. And I remember thinking, you know what? I'm going to check out for a little bit. I just need to kind of decompress. I need to leave or whatever. And uh, so I left. And I was going to be gone for maybe 5, 10 hours and then get back and uh, maybe everything's done. So I get in my car. I don't even know where I'm going. I take Jack with me. Now Jack was our dog uh, before we had Rudy, a little West Highland Terrier, a little cute little Westie. And I brought, J I brought Jack because he doesn't talk back, obviously. So that's one reason. And so he got to come with me and I didn't know where I was going, but I get in my car and I drive to like a convenience store. Don't even know what I'm getting. I'm like, you know, six pack, you know, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I was thinking more of a 12-pack. But anyway, so I, I get out, and I go into the convenience store, and I grab whatever I was grabbing, and I come back. Again, this is the day from hell. I get, I get back to my car, and uh, the door's locked. And not only is the door locked, but the car is running. So the car is running, the door is locked, and there's Jack on the inside. And I'm like, oh, so he locked me out of my car. So he, he, you know how dogs will get up and they'll put their paws on the door? Well, he obviously hit the lock button. So here I am in a, at a convenience store in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, trying to convince my dog to retrace his steps and put his paw back on the unlock button. It was really degrading and embarrassing. So, but to make matters worse, a lady comes up to me. She goes, oh, what happened? And I was like, well, my dog locked me out of my car. And she's like, oh, I bet you'll never leave the keys in your car again. <laughs> I said, I bet, I bet I didn't ask for your opinion, you know. Um, oh. Then she tried to be funny when she was leaving. Well, hope he doesn't drive away. <laughs> and then she leaves. I'm like, yeah, if he does, I hope he doesn't run you over, you know. Jeez, uh, it's just painful. So maybe you can relate to having a day like that. This day was, this day was literally from hell. And um, it left me on the edge. Say on the edge. On the Edge is the title of today's message because I bet it's not just me, but you've had days like that. Maybe you're having a week like that or, like I said, a year like that where you're literally on the edge. You're on the edge of burnout. You're on the edge of stress. You're on the edge of just crazy. Crazy's right here, and I'm teetering right here. That's maybe where you find yourself today. You feel like you're, you feel you're the Grinch doing yoga, okay? That probably doesn't make sense, but it will after you watch the video, so check this out. Watch. And release all of those sounds that are trapped in your mind. <laughs> Sir, are you okay? I'm a little messed up. I'm a little messed up. Yeah, we're a little messed up. It's just funny. So if that's you, if that feels like you, this message is for you. 
I'm a little messed up. I'm going to ask you a question. How are you? Really? Like, how are you in the year 2020? How are you doing? Like, how, if I, if, like, let's go through all the gamut. Let's go through how are you doing spiritually? You're here. You're watching online, so that's a good thing. How are you doing emotionally? How are you doing relationally? How are you doing physically? Huh? Some of you, you've been doing resistance training, right? Resisting going to the gym. It's not, the, it's not what they had in mind. So financially. How about financially? It's a hard year on finances. You know? How are you doing? How are you doing in these areas, really? The first and greatest commandment, if you didn't know, I'm going to tell it to you. Love the Lord God with everything, with all that you are. And then Jesus says, the next is equally as important. So it's as great as the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. If yourself isn't well, if yourself is like that guy doing yoga, it's going to be a hard time. You're going to have a hard time being able to live your purpose and, and really equip and love other people the way that you were created to love them. A battery can't put out what it does not have. And some of you, if you're honest, you're functioning, but you ain't flourishing. You're, you're getting the job done, but there's no joy in it. So I want to do something. I want to take a little quiz. I want to take a test. I want to see if you test positive, right? Now, don't worry. I'm not going to grab an oversized Q-tip and shove it up your nose and tickle your brain. I'll leave that to the professionals. But I'm going to run through a few things, a few statements. And I want you to really ask yourself in this test that we're going to take, does that apply to me? Because if these apply to you in any capacity, you're getting closer and closer and closer to the edge. You ready for this? Say, I'm ready. I hope you're ready. All right, let's, 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 let's go through 10 quick ones, and I'm going to make them quick. You've lost your passion. You've lost your passion. When you lose your passion, it, it, it gets very difficult, and you, you get closer to the edge. Your passion, what fires you up? What gets you excited? What motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? What are you passionate about? Anything right now? Like, you, you, you love God, but you don't feel him. You lost your passion. Number two, you don't feel the highs and you don't feel the lows. You're kind of just, kind of like flat. Like driving through the state of Nebraska, you're just flat. You know what I'm saying? It just, it, you, you, you could hear the best news in the world. Some, your friend might say, oh, we're having a baby. And you're like, eh. A lot of, a lot of people are having babies, you know, whatever. Or you sure it was some bad news. You know, somebody lost a loved one. Well, you got to go sometime, right? I mean, you're just, you're just numb would be a good, a good word to use there. Number three, you're easily irritated, right? Don't nudge your neighbor. I know you're tempted right now. That'll just get them to snap, so don't do that. But you, you, you easily fly off the handle. On a scale of one to 10, everything's a 12, right? You lose your keys. You lose your mind. I'll be uh, vulnerable here and tell you that I can, this can happen. And the area it happens for me, Ava could probably attest to this. I, dropping my kids off at school, this shouldn't be this difficult. Like if, I don't know if you're in this arena at all, but the cars line up and you kind of go and you get towards the front and the kid gets out and then you go. At least that's how it should work. That's not how it works. At least not the people I, I'm, I'm driving behind, right, Ava? I don't know what they're doing. It's like the car in front of me sits there for 15 minutes. I'm like, is your kid showering in the back seat? What is happening? You should be ready. Get the backpack on. Get the mask on. 
Okay, anyway, so you become easily irritated. Not me, but other people. So number four, you're cynical. You assume the worst. I won't elaborate on that one because week one of this mess or week one of this series, we unpack the whole thing. So if you, if you want to wonder if you're, if, you're, if you're cynical, watch week one of Blindsided. Number five, say five. Number five, nothing satisfies you. Like nothing is doing it. Right? You, you, taking time off isn't doing it. The vacation isn't doing it. The relationship isn't doing it. The next Netflix binge isn't doing it. Ice cream isn't doing it. Okay, I'm going to be honest. If you ever see me eating Cold Stone and I'm not smiling, call 911. That is a serious something wrong is happening, right? I mean, it's nothing satisfies you. Number six, people drain you. Now, we've all got a few people that they're just that, those are that people. But, I mean, everybody drains you, like just, just sucks the life out of you. Number seven, you can't think straight. Like you're scattered. You're all over the place. Like it's just you're all over the place, almost like a midlife crisis. You're thinking of all these crazy things, and you just can't get your mind right. And you're thinking, my, and by the way, if that's what you're going through is something like that, don't make big decisions, Okay? Don't just up and quit your job if you're going through something like this. Don't just up and leave your family. Don't do that. Don't, don't go out and just buy a sports car, right? Unless it's for your pastor, then by all means, buy a sports car. I'm just, that's from God, not me. So, um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you can't think straight. Number eight, we got three more. You're not as productive as you used to be. You're overwhelmed. You're more overwhelmed than you've ever been. You're more busy than you've ever been, but you're less productive than you've been in a long time. If that would describe you, you're a step closer to being on the edge. Number nine, you're self-medicating. Again, don't nudge your neighbor. I know you're tempted to. But self-medicating, probably don't need to elaborate a whole lot. Whether it's drinking pills or, and it might not just be that. It could be overworking. That's a way to self-medicate. Overeating, that's a way to self-medicate. Anything like that where you're compensating, self-medicating. And last but not least, give me some help. Repeat after me. L. O. L. You don't lull anymore. You don't laugh anymore. There is no laughing out loud. It's just not in you. So as we take the test and see if you test positive, where are you at? How are you doing? Like, really? Here's, here's what I want to encourage you. You might be thinking, oh my gosh, one or two of those really hit home. Or maybe you're thinking more than a few of those hit home. Listen to me, regardless of where you're at, you're not alone. Say, I'm not alone. You're not alone. See, the devil, one of his greatest tricks, one of his greatest lies is to convince you you're the only one who's that jacked up. You're the only one who could respond like yes to eight out of 10. You're the only one. And it's such a lie. It is such a lie. The devil's known as the father of lies for a reason. See, Elijah, that's what he believed. He says it, prophet in the Old Testament, by the way. He said, I'm all alone. I'm the only one in it. He's believing the lie of the enemy. Oh my gosh, we gotta go on a journey today. I wanna, I wanna take you on a journey and look at his life. The, this Old Testament prophet, this dude, he went from, he was so on the edge. Well, I won't spoil it. I'll, I'll get there in a second, but I'll set it up for you. I'm gonna preach out of 1 Kings 19. Got a Bible, got a mobile app. 1 Kings 19. Verse one, I'll have it up on the screen in a minute. But before that, I gotta set it up. I gotta give you context. In 1 Kings 18, this prophet of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, some, he, he did something miraculous. 
He's on the top of a mountain, and he's literally declaring to the people, listen, if you want to follow God, let's go, let's follow God. But if you want to follow Baal, Baal is another God that many people followed, right? Many people worshiped, but not the true God. And he said, if you want to follow the false God, well, then follow the false God, but quit wavering, let's go. Here's the deal. The, the, the king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel, evil people. And they hated Elijah because Elijah told them the truth. God would speak to Elijah. Elijah would tell them the truth. They're like, I don't like that truth. I'll, I'll pay some other people to tell me what I want to hear, right? Uh, I, I, and so they, there were so many prophets, like 850 prophets on the scene here. And they're the ones that are telling uh, the king and queen what they want to hear. And, and Elijah's had enough. He's like, all right, you know what? Let's, let's, let's take another test. Let, let's do this. How about we build a couple uh, altars and put a dead bull on it, both of them, and see what God shows up and takes the offering. And the, other, the prophets are like, all right, let's do it. So Elijah's like, you go first. And they build, they build an altar, and they stack wood. They kill a bull. They put the bull on top, and, and they start praying to Baal, their God, saying, all right, show up, consume it, take it, accept our offering. They start doing that in the morning. Nothing happens. It gets to noontime, and then Elijah starts getting cocky. He's like, hey, how's it going? Where's your God? I don't see anything happening. Is he, like, taking a nap? Is he in the bathroom? Literally, he's saying these things, just making fun of them. And they start going crazy. They start cutting themselves. Start going, they're doing whatever they can try to to manufacture this God to show up on the scene and accept their offering. Well, guess what? This probably won't surprise you. Nothing happened. We get to evening time, and Elijah's like, all right, enough of that. Let's, 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 let's pray to my God. Let, let's see if he shows up. So Elijah sets up the same thing, takes 12 stones, representing the 12 tribes, puts wood on there, puts a bull on there, and then he gets cocky. He digs a trench around his altar, around his offering, and then he says, hey, guys, go get like four buckets of water. And you're like, what? Just do it. And they bring back four buckets of water and they dump it all over everything. And Elijah's like, you know what? Do it again. Get, get four more. And they're like, all right, whatever. They grab four more, they dump it on, they do it again. And just for, just for the sake of uh, effect, Elijah's like, all right, four more. Then we're done. They get four more huge buckets of water, sopping wet. Everything is. In fact, that trench he dug around, it was full of water. So then, so, he, so Elijah's saying, all right, watch what happens. And Elijah starts praying to the God, to the God that we serve, to the God that we believe in, to the God that has shown up in your life so many times, even if you don't know it. Elijah's praying, and it doesn't take long, and fire flashes down from heaven, consumes everything. And when I say everything, the meat, the wood, the rocks, the dust, the water, and the, all gone. And, and Elijah's like, drop the mic, baby. Check it out. And there was no doubt that God showed up. This is one of the biggest victories. This is one of the biggest victories Elijah would ever have. I mean, he just showed them who God was. But it leads us to the, one of the main things you need to know today, okay? Listen to this. Expect opposition after your greatest victories. When you're coming off a high, when you're coming off something that happened great at your workplace or, or, or your family, praise God for that because everything good is from God, but you need to know something. The enemy loves to attack that. We're in a spiritual battle. Like, the, it's so real, and we live like we're not, but we are. 
And when the, when the enemy sees God doing something amazing, he is, he's going to come after you. It's part of the territory. He did it with Elijah, but Elijah didn't see it coming. Elijah wasn't expecting opposition. Elijah didn't know the main, one of the main points of this message, obviously. Let's pick it up in 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Here's what happened after the scene. When Ahab, remember he's the king, got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. That's right. He had all those 850 prophets taken out. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me, even kill me if by this time tomorrow, Elijah, I haven't killed you just as you killed them. She was ticked. She invested a lot in these prophets. She, they, they paid them money. They, they, these prophets meant a lot to her and she needed them and they were gone now and she was mad and she was evil anyway. So Elijah, you would think Elijah's like, you know what, whatever, my God just consumed that. He's big enough. That's not what he says. Verse three, Elijah, Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. He flees for his life. He goes to a, a town called Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he leaves his servant there. Verse four, then he went alone into the wilderness. Oh, Elijah. This is like that commercial when, when the kids are running from the serial killer and it's like there's the car that's running that they can take off in or the garage full of chainsaws. Okay, yeah, Elijah walks right into the chainsaws. All right, let's go into the deep, dark wilderness, traveling all day. Elijah sits down under a solitary broom tree and prays, listen to this, that he might die. You're not the only one who struggles with depression. It's been going on a long time. Elijah, struggling, prays. He wants to die. The dude just, wow. Verse five, then he lay down, exhausted, slept under the tree. But as he was sleeping, God's working even when you don't know it. God's working even when you're not conscious. God was working. The Lord sends an angel. The angel touches Elijah Get up, Elijah, eat. Elijah looks around and he sees beside his head were some baked bread on hot stones, I mean, and jar of water. So he ate and drank and then he laid down again in exhaustion. But look at that scene, that's crazy. You Because God sending an angel, you think the angel would rebuke Elijah. Elijah, I just showed up and consumed all that that you wanted me to do and now you're running like I'm not real. Now you're freaked out like I'm not real. But God didn't do that. God sent the angel to take care of his basic felt needs. You need rest. And after you rest, I will feed you. And after I feed you, I will give you drink. I mean, the love of the Father is incredible. And God's not done. Verse seven, then the angel of the Lord comes again to him, touches him again, get up, eat some more. And then he says it, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And I'm sure Elijah's thinking, what journey? I mean, I'm done, I was, I'm done. I'm resting and it's over. And God's like, you're not done, Elijah. You're not done. There's still a journey ahead of you. So he gets up, he eats and drinks some more. And, and it was enough food to sustain him for the next 40 days and 40 nights. So literally, he's fasting then for 40 days, 40 nights as he travels to Mount Sinai. So interesting. Moses also fasted for 40 days and 40 nights along that same mountain a couple times. So anyway, he travels to Mount Sinai to the mountain of God. He comes to a cave where he spends the night. And the Lord, again, speaking life into Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing here? 
In other words, Elijah, I have more for you. Elijah, you thought your life was over, but it's not over. In fact, I've got, I've got a journey ahead for you. I've got blessings for you. I've got life for you. I've got purpose for you. Expect opposition. Expect it after your greatest victories. Elijah didn't expect it, but it came. Thank God that the angel was there for him. And this isn't the only story, by the way, where opposition comes right after a big victory. Look, look, Jesus, remember Jesus when he came on the scene? The first thing he does is get baptized. Epic moment. The father speaks audibly to the son and everybody else. The very next thing Jesus is at, the wilderness. He's in the wilderness or in the desert getting tempted by the devil. Expect opposition after your greatest victories. The disciples, they had a huge victory when they fed thousands with Jesus. Like, they multiplied in their hands, a miracle. The very next thing they know, Jesus is like kicking them off in the boat, into the, into the water, into a storm. The first church in Acts, Acts 4, 5,000 people come to know Jesus. The very next thing they know, persecution hits them like a tidal wave. And they, and they have to flee. I mean, opposition it, it, you got to expect it in the world that we live in and the battle that we're facing. And it's, but it's not just going to come after your greatest victories. Opposition, you need to expect it before your biggest breakthrough as well. See, because when you're facing opposition, God has something good in store. It's all over the word of God. I'll show it to you. We're talking about Elijah. Look at his life. So after, he's, after God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And God shows up in a mighty way. He tells Elijah, now go back the way you came. I'm not done with you. See, I have more victories for you. I've got more break, breakthroughs for you, Elijah. And here's what he tells Elijah. You're gonna go back, and I'm gonna use you, Elijah, and you're gonna anoint the next king, king of Aram. You're gonna anoint the next king of Israel. You're gonna, in fact, you're gonna anoint your next predecessor. You're gonna anoint the next prophet. Elisha is his name. That's what you're going to do. It, it, it's so amazing that God is just getting started with Elijah. But, but I, can't get, I can't get past that verse four that I read to you earlier. Look where he was, and now look what God is doing in his life. It put up verse four one more time. I, I wanna look at this. You remember when he went into the wilderness, right? The, the chainsaws and all that, traveling all day? He sits down under that broom tree and he prays he'll die. How do you get to that point? How do you get to this place in your life where you literally want to die? Some would say he was suicidal. Certainly depressed, certainly struggling with depression. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Are, so, so he's begging God to kill him. He's begging God to kill him. He thought the only way through the pain was to end the pain permanently. You know how many people are there? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful that you're watching or listening. God's not done with you. God wasn't done with Elijah, even though Elijah was done with God. The word that came to my mind after I kept reading verse four was this, discouragement. Discouragement is a killer. It's not the same as being disappointed, okay? Being disappointed, that's gonna happen, Okay? In the world we live in, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to have setbacks. It's part, of the, it's part of life. But when you allow discouragement to set in, it's a game changer. When discouragement begins, I say that hope ends. When discouragement begins, hope ends. And we're, we're, we'll always say, oh, I'd never, I'd never get to that point where I'd be that discouraged. 
I, I, that, that would never happen to me. I mean, if you would have told me when I was in high school or college, Monty, one day you're going to be so dependent on drugs that you're going to basically sacrifice everything else to get them. <laughs> you call me a drug addict? I'm not that. That ain't going to happen to me. And that's for losers that can't function and needles in their arms. It's funny. The rules never apply to you until they do. The rules never apply until they do. Oh, I would never get a divorce. I can't believe they're getting a divorce. I'll guarantee that everybody that stood on an altar and said I do, we're thinking the same thing. Well, we'll never get divorced. But the, the rules never apply until they do. I would never file for bankruptcy. What kind of a person can't handle their money <laughs> until you're filing for bankruptcy? I mean, it's so, it's such a humbling, man, we just, you never, discouragement, it's huge. I never dreamed that I, would have the, that I would have the thought that would cross my mind that I could just cross the center line when I'm driving. I could just kind of weave over in the center line and drive into oncoming traffic. But that's the thought I had. It, 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 it didn't stick with me very long, praise God. But literally, I remember thinking that. I could just drift over, you know, just, just slightly, like a, six inches to a foot, and then it's done. And you may be thinking, how can you think that? Not only would you obviously die, but the people you hit. Well, let's just, let's just say this. You're not thinking real clearly when you're thinking that way. You're not too concerned about much else. At least I wasn't at the time. Again, praise God, that thought was, was fairly fleeting. But I'm telling you something. I never dreamed I would think that. Never. Anybody that ever gets to the point to take their life, or I, I'm going to say it, anybody that ever has ever taken their life, at one point in their life, they thought, I would never do that. It's not like they were, as a kid, I bet one day I'm just going to kill myself. No! Discouragement sets in. Discouragement is a killer. It will set you back. Elijah wants to die. Why? Because he's, he's so discouraged. He can't believe he's going through this. God wasn't done. So even as I preached this, I thought, you know, I really want to challenge us. Where are we at? I think people are struggling. Big time, especially this year. I really do. I really think people have been blindsided by so many things. Physical illness. We, we, you don't have to, I mean, it's all over. You know, mental illness right now is huge. Emotional, huge. Financial, huge. So as I went through those 10 things, I wanted to, I wanted to equip you so you could just not get them in the moment, but you could have them with you to go back to and even refer people to. So the 10 little statements we had to see that if you test positive to any of those, we created a website. It's, it's our website, meadows.church, but it's um, slash on the edge. So if you go to that page, it'll have all those 10 statements. It's going to tell you uh, next steps, what you can do if you, if you um, felt like you were on the edge in one or two of those areas, and even more of the, those areas. Next steps you can take, the, the very first step you can take is tell somebody. The best thing you can do is tell someone. The last thing the devil wants you to do is tell someone. But there's a reason he doesn't want you to do that. He knows the healing is going to happen. You need to tell somebody. And, and I'll tell you, that this, this test, I've, I've been to medical doctors. Um, I, I, I have a counselor that I go to. Um, I'm on medication, have been since I've been clean for 12 years. Um, I, I just want, don't, don't. I think it's easy for the devil to say, you, you don't need to do that because you're weaker if you do that. It's not for everybody, but it's certainly for me at this point. And I'm telling you, I told somebody, this church wouldn't even exist if I wasn't on medication. 
That freaks people out. Oh, lack of faith. I don't really care what you, whatever. I'm just telling you, God made it pretty clear that I'm gonna, I want to use this to help you. And then two weeks ago, I have a woman crying, crying to, right out there, right outside those doors. A young woman struggling with depression, struggling with discouragement. And you know what she didn't want to do? Didn't want to go to a doctor for medication. And I said, it might be the answer. It might not be one of the answers for you. But I'm telling you, you should talk to a doctor. And then I told her my story. And then it hit me. That's one of the reasons that God has not taken it away from me yet. Because people need to be encouraged. People need to know it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. God, it, like if your liver was failing, it's so funny. We just like to just kind of judge and, you know, if your liver was failing and someone said, here's a pill, it'll make your liver better, that organ in your body, would you take it? Yeah, you, you probably would. The brain is an organ in your body. And if the doctor says, here's a pill that can make your brain fire more correctly and work better, why wouldn't you take it? I'm not saying that's the answer for everybody. I'm just saying it might be. And I'm telling you, if you feel on the edge today, you need to tell somebody. The prayer team will be up here during, during our final song. I, I'm gonna, I ask them to come up early because I want this place flooded with prayer. I want you coming forward. I want you telling somebody. I want you letting somebody pray for you. It's so crucial that we do that. Two steps. You gotta connect with others and you have to connect with God. If you're, if, if you're gonna step away from the edge, you've gotta connect with others. You've gotta connect with God. I'm so proud of you because you're connecting with God right now as you're taking in the word of God, as you're watching or listening online. But that can't be everything. The number one way to take in God is his word. It's the number one way. The reason I can boldly tell you that is because th this thing called the armor of God, there's one offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit. The sword of truth. You know what it is? The Bible. God's word. How many people are going into battle defenseless? Like with no weapon, you would run into an army of killers and you have no weapon. I want to help you. Most people don't read the word of God. I get it. I, most of my life, I didn't either. Ten minutes a day and God's word for the rest of your days will change your days. And do it with others. That's what will that's make it easier. It's hard to do it alone. That's why we t say connect with others. Get in a life group, a small group. Get in the word together. Then you're doing both at the same time. It's so important that you do this. Tell somebody. See a counselor. See a doctor. Pray with the prayer team. There's so many things that we'll point you to. I wrote this down. Knowing you have issues is the first step. Say I got issues. Me too. Me too. More than you probably care to know. Knowing you have issues is the first step. But unless you take a step towards healing those issues, nothing will change. Nothing will change. And some of you, if you're honest, you've been dealing with the same issue a long time. What if, what if you did something different? Why wouldn't you try it? What if you prayed with the prayer team for the first time ever? What if you checked out a life group for the first time ever? What if you cracked open the word of God well, I don't get it. You, if you never read it, you'll never get it. It's the number one thing that's changed my life. Trust God. If he called you to it, he will see you through it. Look at Elijah. Just like Elijah. I'm sure God's like Elijah. I use you to call down fire from heaven. You think I'm done with you? 
Elijah, I used you to take out all 850 prophets of Baal. You think I'm done with you? Elijah, I used your prayer to turn on the rain after three years of no rain, and you think I'm done with you? Wait, I didn't even, I didn't even tell you that part. I didn't even tell you about the rain. On that mountain that day when they did the old sacrifices and God showed up and, you know, boom, everything's gone. That wasn't the end of the story. Elijah on that mountain, after that happened, he starts to pray to God. Now, it hadn't rained for three years. And Elijah on his knees prays to a God who hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. Elijah prays and he prays for rain. I'll give you the scripture real quick. First Kings 18. He's praying. Verse 43. Then he said to a servant, go and look toward the sea. The servant went and looked and he returns to Elijah. He's like, I ain't got nothing. I don't see anything. Elijah's like, go again. All right, I'll go again, but there, I don't see anything. Servant goes out and looks. Goes back to Elijah. Nothing. I don't see anything. Elijah's like, go again. All right. See, are you, are you giving up before you get to God's blessing? He had to do it seven times. Elijah would send his servant seven times. Did you give up on two? Did you give up on four? Are you giving up on six? Don't give up. God's not giving up on you. Don't you give up. Look what happens. Finally, the seventh time, say seven. Shout seven. Got to get some life in this place. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud. I saw just a little cloud the size of a man's hand rising up from the sea. I saw a cloud. I see a cloud. See, somebody here, you've stopped believing that the rain is ever going to come for you. You've stopped believing that the situation is ever going to turn around. You've, you, you've stopped believing that the dry, barren season that you're in is ever going to end. But I see a cloud. Somebody here, you've stopped, you stopped believing in hope. You've stopped believing in hope in a situation in your life. You stop believing that God is ever going to show up in that area. I came to tell you, I see a cloud. Somebody here, you know what you stopped believing in? You literally stopped believing in yourself. You stopped believing in yourself. But can I boldly tell you, God has not stopped believing in you. Somebody shout, I see a cloud. I see a cloud. I'm telling somebody, if you have a pulse, God has a purpose for your life. I see a cloud rising in the sea. Elijah, what are you still doing here? Go. I'm not done with you. Elijah would have never dreamed what God still had in store for his life. Remember, he wanted to die. God, kill me. God, kill me. I prayed that prayer before too. I don't know about you. God, kill me. God's like, what? I created you. I wouldn't do that. I love you. And he loves Elijah so much. Elijah thought he was going to die. Here's what's nuts about Elijah's story. 
He never died. You're like, what? I know it's weird. Elijah never died. You keep reading 1 Kings, it's nuts. It says that after he kind of passed the mantle to Elisha, a, a, a whirlwind comes, a chariot of fire, a horse of fire, and picks him up and whisks him up into heaven. That's the way I want to go out. I don't know about you, but that sounds fun. He never died. This has only happened like a few times ever. Elijah was one of them. Enoch was another one. If you read Genesis, you'll read that story. And then, of course, present day, we got Willie Nelson. He's never going to die. I'm just going to say it. That dude, I don't know how he does. He's been the same age my whole life. I don't understand it. I, that's just, so the three, really. But <laughs> what if I told you that Elijah, he showed up 900 years later on the scene. God was so not done with him. 900 years later. With Jesus. It's crazy. Jesus, he goes up to his own mountain and he brings his three buddies, Peter, James, and John, and he's going to give them a glimpse of who he really is. Oh my gosh. I'll read it to you quick. Luke 9, verse 29. They're praying. And as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. You think when he, was, when he wanted to die under that tree that he'd ever think, I'm going to be glorious one day. I'm going to be with my king on a mountain. And I'm going to be glorious. Not just Jesus, but me. That's what it says. They were glorious. And they were speaking of how he was about to fulfill God's plan. Jesus was about to fulfill God's plans by dying in Jerusalem. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus on a mountain. And they're talking about Jesus' quest. That's why it's true. That's what the whole deal was about him dying in Jerusalem. It's what happened with Jesus. Most of you maybe have heard the story. Some maybe haven't. It's why God sent him to die. They're praying about it. They're talking about it. Speaking of how Jesus, you're going to die, Jesus. Can you imagine the conversation between Moses and Elijah? Jesus, you're going to die. And Jesus is like, I know. How can you be excited about that? Well, because, I, because he's excited about you. And you, and you, and the way that he loves you so much, he knew that he had to die. This is why God sent his son, Jesus. Because we're so messed up. Because I'm so messed up in my head and in my body and everything about me, in my thoughts, that Jesus had to die. Because something has to die for something to come to life. That's kind of the rule. Something's got to be sacrificed for something to be redeemed. And this is Jesus' story. So what they prayed about him dying in Jerusalem, it happened. And that wasn't that big of a deal, honestly. And he was crucified, by the way, you know, on the cross. And that wasn't even a big deal because thousands of people were crucified under the Roman regime. Thousands. That wasn't that big of a deal. But, but, but Jesus was a little different. What separated him from the thousands is what happened three days later. This would be the center of our faith. This would be the center 
of, what, of, of why we can be so joyful even in a crazy year like 2020. Because three days later, and by the way, worship team, this is, I'm about to share like the biggest miracle that ever happened. So I bet you you'll get excited. Three days later, Jesus Christ, after he came off the cross and put in the tomb, three days later, the tomb was rolled away. The door was rolled away. Jesus wasn't there anymore. Jesus wasn't dead anymore. Jesus was alive. And because he was alive, you and I have tremendous hope. Give God a shout if you're excited what he's doing in this place. I see a cloud. Father, I see a cloud. I see hope where there was no hope. I see light where there was no light. I see life where there was no life. I see a cloud. Jesus. That's the gospel I just shared. If you don't know, you now you do. The Bible says if you ever, if you call on the name of Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Saved. This isn't our home. Remember Elijah showed up 900 years later. Guess what? Elijah's still alive. And so is Moses. They're more alive than they've ever been, by the way. This isn't our home. This isn't all there is. There is a place, places, and we get to choose. Call on the name of the Lord, and you choose wisely. You will join Elijah someday. You'll join Moses someday. More importantly, you'll join a king named Jesus someday. Call on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. Some of you, maybe you believe, but you know your life is so sideways right now. You tested positive to like a lot of that. And you're like, man, I'm on the edge. Man, I'm crazy. Man, I'm psycho. Man, I'm just messed up. I know that's why Jesus brought you here today. That's why you're watching today. That's why you're listening today. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe he's the son of God. Believe that he was dead on a cross. More importantly, that he rose from the dead. Believe it, surrender to it, ask him to forgive your sins, he'll do it. I don't care how messed up you are. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Jesus has already done it. He's already paid the price. You'd be crazy. You'd be on the edge not to do it. Sell out to him online. Type, I choose Jesus in the comments. Text, I choose Jesus, one word, 474747. In the room, there's cars, fill them out. And, and doing any of that, that isn't what saves you, filling out a card or texting something, that doesn't save you. It's the relationship that you're starting with Jesus Christ that saves you. That's just indicating it and telling us well, that we can celebrate with you and telling the angels and telling your Lord and telling the devil he's been defeated and now he's underneath your feet. Sell out today, sell out. Back to that mountain with Jesus and Elijah and Moses. It's interesting. So G, you get a glimpse of who Jesus really is. And people have asked me, well, why Moses? Why, of all the people, why was it Elijah and Moses? It, it's a fairly simple answer. Moses represents the law. Remember, Moses is the dude that went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets all those prophets and Elijah gets to represent them. And you're like, what? Elijah was, he's messed up. Isn't there a better prophet than him? Well, Jesus chose him. I love that Jesus chooses messed up people. That's why I get to do what I get to do. That's why I get to do what I get to do. What does he want to do in you? What does he want to do in you? 
So they get done praying on that mountain. Guess what shows up? A cloud. A cloud shows up on the mountain. Say, I see a cloud. I see a cloud. They're done praying on the mountain. And it says in the word of God, then a voice. You ready for this? Then a voice from a cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So the voice in the cloud is God. God telling you and I, listen to Jesus. Why? Because when you listen to Jesus and do what he says, your life will change. I see a cloud rising up in the east. Somebody give God praise. Clouds aren't just, clouds aren't bad. Clouds aren't gloomy. Clouds bring hope. Clouds bring rain. I got to pray for you. And I got to pray for me. Where have you stopped believing that rain is going to come? Rain is coming. Don't you give up. You're going to face opposition after victories, before breakthroughs. It's going to happen. Don't give up. Seven times he sends them out. The seventh time, I see it. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship in a song. I'm going to say it again prayer team is going to be over here, over there. You don't need to wait till the song is done. The first step in stepping away from the edge is telling someone. Remember the website, there is a resource. Remember life groups, there is a resource. The Word of God, your greatest resource. And your church, a church that loves you and wants to wrap around you and guide you to your purpose. Father, I don't ever think I saw the significance of clouds and tell this message. The rain, isn't that what we want? That nourishment, that life-giving water. <laughs> Sounds like your son Jesus, living water. Father, this year has really been like none other. Don't need, to, don't need to tell you that, you know it. Here's what I love, you're right in the middle of it. You, you haven't gone anywhere. You're where you've always been. And you're as good as you've always been, as powerful as you've always been, loving as you've always been. I just think that you want to use 2020 to draw your people closer to you and realize we, we, we are desperate without you, God. We can't put our hope in government. We can't put our hope in uh, uh, just friends and family. We can't. We gotta put it in something bigger. We gotta put it in something more powerful. Elijah had to put his hope back in you and then you used him. You used him in such mighty ways. God, I'm praying for everybody here. I pray that they'll really take the on the edge test seriously. And more importantly, that they'll take steps for healing. The first step, tell someone. Pray with someone. I don't know, it's going up front. Who cares? God, this is between you and the Father. Somebody needs to surrender to your son Jesus, to that beautiful truth of the resurrection and the hope that we have in him. There is no hope outside of that. This world is not our home. And if we sell out to him, we know we get to spend forever with him and others who have done the same. 
Father, I'm praying for everybody here. Send your spirit or use your Holy Spirit, God, to convict us, to encourage us, to compel us to take our next step. Because we've all got one. If we're honest, God, we've all got one. Father, we love you. We thank you for your bride, your church. We thank you for your word, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we thank you for your people. We're pretty messed up, aren't we, God? Pretty messed up. But you never leave us. You never forsake us. You never give up on us, just like Elijah. God, I pray that we don't give up on you. You're there for us. Thank you for being the cloud that we desperately need. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We wanna invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching and God bless you.